Outlet Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Profile Podcast. It's a lockdown special with me, Justin Briley, in which I'll be bringing you conversations with people like evangelist Jay John, preacher and church leader Artie Kendall, Rob Parsons of Care for the Family and Christian author Philip Yancey. And as ever, the podcast brought to you in partnership with Premier Christianity magazine, premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample to get hold of a free sample copy of the mag the latest april edition our easter edition is out right now and it'll bless you if you get hold of a free sample copy of that and there are tons of great blogs and articles and resources on how to cope with coronavirus what it means for the church and the world over at the website as well again that's premierchristianity.com We're living in unusual times and I've been having a number of conversations with church leaders on what it means for individuals, Christians, churches and the world. And you're going to be hearing some of those on today's podcast. So let's begin with evangelist Jay John of the Philo Trust speaking to me from his home. He talked about what it means for his ministry and how evangelism can still happen despite lockdown. Jay John, thank you so much for being available to have a little chat from lockdown wherever you are in the country. Always, always a pleasure, Justin. Well, I'm in my study in lockdown (laughs) in my home, so it's good to talk to you. How are you and Killy coping with uh, quarantine sort of uh, conditions at the moment? It's fascinating, really. I mean, just kind of give you a slightly long answer, but um, all my meetings, all my missions, all my conferences for three months were cancelled in 48 hours, okay? And um, I thought I was busy a month ago. I'm, it's relentless. <laughs> it's absolutely relentless. I Honestly, the doors of opportunity have flung open. And we're as busy as, as ever. And, and actually, I don't really have any time. <laughs> which is interesting isn't which it? is ironic isn't it you know, it's ironic you, if you're stuck at home you'd have all the time in the world but but yeah. so what what kind of opportunities are you seeing in that case well lots of broadcasting um lots of requests for articles uh like the church of england asked me to do a specific one other people and and a lot of these requests are like can you do it now can yeah. you do it, can you have it by midday Um, We've been recording sermons. uh, So um, all the services in all the prisons, for example, have all been shut down. And a special radio uh, has been set up. And I've been asked to preach a sermon on Easter Day to every prison in the United Kingdom. Wow. So uh, prepping, recording sermons. I recorded a sermon that's going to go on live stream at uh, my church this Sunday it's just constant but wonderful i'm not complaining no absolutely um i i I can appreciate that obviously you do an awful lot of public speaking big gatherings obviously none of that's happening for the moment but it's it's wonderful to hear that so many other kinds of opportunities are, are happening i mean where do you see god in all of this do you think um i mean it's difficult to second guess exactly where things are going at this point, but, but what, what might your hopes be at least of what might good might come out of this in the end? Well, uh, the title of my sermon, Justin, this Sunday is, is Jesus asleep in the boat 
during the coronavirus storm. (laughs) And I'm using the passage from Mark chapter four, when Jesus has done a day's teaching, and then he says to his disciples, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Okay, now that journey should only take two hours, but somewhere in between, the storm, he's fallen asleep because he's exhausted. And uh, uh, there's a storm, the waters are rough. And many of them, you know, are fishermen. They're not, they're used to this, but this is serious. And there's serious panic and they wake him up. Now, a number of interesting things about that story. First of all, the disciples only did what Jesus wanted them to do. And yet they encountered a storm. So just because we Christians are doing what Jesus wants us to do doesn't mean we're not going to encounter a storm. I think that's an important point, that we Christians are not immune uh, to the storms in the world. Um, Also, the story says Jesus stood up. There's something powerful about that. And he commands the storm. He commands the, um, the water to go still. And everything is calm. And the way the disciples respond is, who is he? And I think it's a realization, oh my word, only Yahweh, the Hebrew word for God, only he's the one that can calm a storm. So he must be Yahweh. And then Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. And I find that incredibly challenging for us today, that actually... Jesus, you know, many of us are saying, are trying to get God's attention, but I think God's trying to get our attention. That's really interesting and very similar, actually, to what R.T. Kendall told me earlier in this week as well. He said, God is trying to get our attention right now. Um, yeah. I, 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 you, you mentioned the, the story of Jesus in the boat and obviously the, says the disciples were full of fear. Um, and that's the way I think a lot of people are feeling right now, that this things have been taken out of our control. We're so used to in the West, aren't we, having control over our circumstances through technology, through science. And just at this point, suddenly it feels like we don't have that much control. And um, and what do we do when fear comes? How do we deal with anxiety? Um, what's what's the way in which God would ask us to to respond in times of fear and uncertainty? Well, the, the, the scripture that clearly says that perfect love casts out fear. And who has perfect love? Only Jesus has perfect love. So I, I really think this is a time for us to lean on Jesus rather than lean on our own understanding. And we're also encouraged in, in scripture not to lean on our own understanding. So I think, you know, we're trying to figure it all out we're trying to figure out god and you know people say is this apocalyptic you know what's happening we've got fires in australia we've got locusts in in africa we've got virus globally um is this the last time you know is are these the last days well look we've been living in the last days since the resurrection we've been living <laughs> in the last days but i do believe you know the question goes around has god caused this well, he definitely has allowed it. That's indisputable. So the question is, why has he allowed it? And again, back to that question, he's trying to get our attention. So look, let's, if we're fearful, we're panicking, look, uh, ask for the perfect love of Christ to calm any storm in our hearts. 
Um, a lot of you're an evangelist, and and a lot of people, you know, when they do evangelism, it's it's all about talking to people. It's about friendship. It's about being with people. Obviously, that can't happen at the moment. What are the ways we could be looking out though for opportunities to share good news um, with with our friends and neighbours, even though we can't be with them physically? Yeah, a great question, Justin. That look, the thing is, we as believers uh, should all be very intentional in doing three things: praying caring and sharing so you know we should be praying especially for our prime minister who's got the virus uh for the government um for our queen uh for justin welby uh our leaders our neighbors our colleagues our friends and family of course we got to pray and you know prayer what's that about it's not twisting the hand of god but it's holding the hand of god and we need to hold God's hand at this time. Caring, of course, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So what can we care at tangibly in any way? Um, so last night, we, um, Killy uh, made a pudding. And uh, so she put a portion of the pudding uh, in a bowl and put it for our neighbour outside her door and then came back and rang her and said, <laughs> I just put you a put, you know, what can we do tangibly? And then of course, sharing and, and sharing, we've got to do this with gentleness and respect, but it's, it's, I think people are curious. I people, I think people are receptive and look, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do this interview like this, Justin. So the virus has, now but we've got all this technology we can actually phone more people we can facetime more people we can zoom more people because we've got more time so in fact we can engage with a lot more people now than we could have before this virus and it's interesting it says isn't it that jesus was the friend of sinners so look even if someone maybe a relative we find very difficult. This is a time to ring the people we like and the people we don't like. Great advice. Thank you so much, Jay John. Just as we close out uh, this interview, would you pray for us? Uh, pray, I guess, especially that we'd be open to the ways in which God can use us in the midst of the storm. And obviously for, to have faith instead of fear in the midst of all of this. Absolutely. Well, Lord, I uh, pray, first of all, for those that do have the virus. And we pray to you, the great physician, to bring your healing and uh, restorative uh, grace in body and mind and spirit. Pray that for the prime minister, pray for protection. And Lord, for those that are fearful, we pray for the perfect love of Christ to cast out fear. And we pray during this season of great opportunity that you would grant all of us grace and wisdom to both visually and verbally communicate your good news. We pray that you'd help us to engage with our neighbours, with our family, with our relatives, with our friends, and where we can to sow seed that can bear good fruit because you can water it. So we speak and we pray God's blessing upon us all, the blessing of God the Father, the blessing of God the Son, and the blessing of God the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Amen. Jay John, thank you so much for the time. God bless you and Killy. And uh, great to chat. All the best. Take care. Bye. Bye. You're listening to a special edition of the Profile podcast with me, Justin Briley. It's a lockdown special featuring lots of church leaders and speakers talking about their own experience and what this means for the church and the world. Now, Artie Kendall, who is well known here in the UK, he's a much loved speaker and preacher. For many years, he was the minister at Westminster Chapel in London. So he now divides his time between the UK and the USA. But it was from his home in the USA near Nashville that I spoke to him about what this all means and what God's purposes may be in it. Well, it's a great pleasure to be joined by R.T. Kendall, who's a well-known preacher and author and church leader who spent a lot of his ministry over in the UK, uh, now currently back in the USA, though frequently on our shores. Of course, current travel restrictions are stopping that from being possible just at the moment. But uh, R.T., thank you for joining me just to talk a little bit about this coronavirus pandemic it's it's wonderful to have you. Firstly, what what is it actually? What does it actually mean for you and Louise currently? This coronavirus has, does it mean you're essentially locked down and, and at home? Yes, yes. Uh, we were in uh, London until two weeks ago, and then my physician, uh, who I've known for thirty years, wrote me a letter and said, "RT, I think you should go right now." Uh, I'm eighty four years old. Uh, he knows all about me, and uh, we hadn't planned to leave then. I thought, well, okay. And so we did. And we got the last plane, actually. It just worked out that way. And so we're back in Nashville. We had hoped to be in Britain for the seventh uh, time for six months, uh, all the way to the end of July. But we we had no choice. So here we are. But I'm honored to think that you would uh, contact me. It makes me feel I'm I'm still there a little bit. (laughs) No, we, 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 I wanted to get in touch because I know lots of people still really value your ministry and your voice in the UK and, and beyond, obviously. <laughs> Say that again, Artie, I missed that. All, all three of my followers there in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> You're very modest. You're very modest. But um, seriously, I, I, I mean, wh- when it comes to how it's affecting you directly, I, are you finding it um, that, that you, obviously movement is restricted at the moment? Are you having to basically stay indoors? Well, we, we go to the grocery store every couple of days and try to keep six feet away from anybody. Uh, there are not a lot of cases here in our county, but I think there are 15. Uh, it doesn't seem like a lot. It's a small county, a uh, couple hundred in Tennessee. Uh, so we're, we're not as bad as, say, New York City. That's the epicenter now. It's really, really bad there. Uh, but we're, we're grateful to be here, but we're still careful. So we stay indoors, except uh, every two or three days, I'll get in the car, run up to our supermarket, get something, and hurry right back. Mm. I suppose we're still waiting to see exactly how this plays out. And uh, as you say, some some parts of the USA are in a more advanced um, state than others. Um, others, it may not simply hit as badly. Uh, here in the UK, you know, gradually the restrictions have come more and more into force and now pretty much you're not supposed to you're allowed to leave your house for one bit of exercise as long as you stay away from anyone but really otherwise anything but the most essential travel is prohibited more or less yes we must pray for one another yeah absolutely what what i mean i'd be interested in exploring with you rt uh how 
where you see God's hand in all this, because a lot of people are asking those big questions. Where, where is God in all of this? Why, why is this happening at this time? And, and could there be some ultimate purpose in it? Well, here's what Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, that's either true or it isn't. That means Jesus Christ at the right hand of God is in control. And you know, uh, Justin, it's a time like this when we find out, do we really believe in the sovereignty of God or not? Well, I do. And this is a moment I can either show that I believe these things or I don't. Well, I do. And I uphold uh, the sovereignty of Christ. He is in control. He has let this happen, and I will say with a purpose. And I believe the purpose is to get our attention. It's because he is a jealous God. He loves us. He wants our attention. And we have not given him attention. We have no time for him. And it's his way of saying, look, I want you. And if this will be what drives us to our knees, it's all good. And I believe that's going to be the outcome. I think that's the purpose in it all. Do, do you, did you have any sense in, in the prophetic of anything like this coming, would you say, in, in advance? Well, here's what I have said. And by the way, I, I call myself a Bible teacher. I'm not a prophet. I, I, I would never say that. I know people who are, and some of them have made fools of themselves being prophets. I'm not that at all. Here's what I can say. Five, six, seven years ago, I began preaching all over the world from Matthew 25 uh, on the midnight cry. Now, we're told that in the last days that the church would be asleep. There were, the parable shows five wise virgins, five foolish, but they all slumbered and slept. And I think the best description of the church today, sadly, is the church is asleep spiritually speaking. All right. And then we're told that at midnight, a cry came. Now, for years, people have assumed that meant 12 o'clock, midnight, end of history, something like that. That's not what it means at all. It comes from three Greek words. It means middle of night. So imagine yourself in a deep sleep and at two o'clock in the morning and you're given a wake-up call. You're not going to welcome that. Well, that's the way I see the church at the moment, in a deep deep sleep, expecting nothing. And what I said five or six years ago, in fact, we made it into a book. There's a book that I've written called, Are You Ready for the Midnight Cry? Is Your Heart Prepared for the Midnight Cry? So I think we're not ready. We're asleep. The last thing we expected is any kind of wake-up call. Now, for this to be the midnight cry that Jesus forecast, I think we need more than this coronavirus. It's waking us up in a sense. It's like uh, 20 years ago, uh, what we call in America 9-11, uh, September uh, 11th. Well, we were awakened, but it lasted just a few months mm. and people go back to sleep. All right, this is another one. But for this to be what Jesus forecast, we need more. We need a spiritual voice with authority I don't know who it will be. I pray that it will be somebody where 
God really gets our attention and we are shaken and we are really disturbed. At the moment, I don't think we're there. We need more than something at the level of nature uh, to get our attention. And so to me, I wouldn't say that this is the midnight cry, but people are asking me everywhere. Well, I won't be surprised if it is. I have to be honest, but I think more needs to happen. Uh, something spiritual, where whether it's a, a voice of a respected prophet, a church leader, or maybe several together, uh, it's going to take that to drive us to our knees. Mm, it's it's really interesting time because obviously we're at the beginnings really of what the knock-on effects might be of this because it's not just a physical and biological and, and medical crisis, but of course it, it will have massive economic effects across the world as essentially the whole world kind of puts itself on pause. And, and in a way, I, I wonder whether that will itself have, have a massive impact on people as they ask themselves as the, the idols of, of money and power and the things that we've worshipped for so long in the West perhaps are taken away for a time, whether it might point them back towards God. Well, that's what I pray for. Uh, I think for many, this will be the case. And, and I would urge anybody listening to me, if up to now, God is getting your attention, and you are turning to him. Here's what I would plead. Stay this way. When the crisis subsides, don't go back to sleep. Don't go back to business as usual. I would urge you to vow right now, you will not be the same again. You will honor God with your life, prayer, Bible reading, church attendance. Wouldn't it be wonderful when this is over that church attendance trebles, quadruples, uh, that shows that there was an effect. But I still say we need more than something at the natural level. We need a voice somewhere, somewhere in the world, where it is respected that we are really shaken. That is what is needed if it's going to be the midnight cry that Jesus forecast in Matthew 25. Of course, it's, this is all happening in very unusual circumstances. It's a time when churches cannot physically meet or are being encouraged not to. Um, so how, how do you think that's going to play into the way that if we are going to pray into this, if we are going to be pleading for God to move through this crisis, how, how are we going to do that in practice? Let me say first that I was thrilled that Archbishop Justin Welby called the nation to prayer. I was so glad about this. And the things he suggested, praying the Lord's Prayer when you wash your hands several times a day, I mean, that's a good thing. And then, as you may know, in this country, President Trump actually called the nation to a prayer, uh, to a, a day of prayer. Well, these are good things. And I believe God will honor things like that. And I just would say again, those listening to me, vow that you will not be the same. You will honor God. Give him the place in your life that he deserves. But now I forgot. Uh, well, well, the question was in a way, how, how I, I suppose we're going to have to use all of the technology that we've been given in order to make that happen, because in a sense, we can't physically meet together as easily as a yeah. church. How, uh, so it's, I guess this prayer movement is going to have to happen kind of like we are now uh, yeah. across the internet and that kind of thing. Well, it won't be a public thing, at least at this stage. Uh, and I think, you would agree. You mentioned that we're in early stages. You know, that's the scary part. Look how awful it is now. And there's little doubt it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I would say much, much worse. And uh, it's what God, I think, needs to do 
to drive us to our knees, to get our attention. We're not going to give him a time of day unless we are affected in this way. And this is what I believe is at stake. I think it is an act of God because he loves us. This is not retribution. This is not judgment, or at least I would say it's gracious judgment. He's doing this to get our attention, driving us to our knees. And that's what I would plead. Anybody listen to me. And I hope that the day would come, if I may put it like this. This is not just carried on Premier Radio. We would expect an interview like this with Premier, but it ought to be on BBC. Uh, it ought to be on the secular radio uh, networks. Uh, I don't think it's come to that yet. Mm. I think it will be an example of how much God is getting our attention when somebody like BBC would play an interview like this. That's what we must pray for, pray for and plead with God to do. I'm, I'm encouraged that I, I believe God will use this for um, bringing people to him. I pray that it may even be the beginning of some kind of revival that so many people have been hoping for. That there are little signs that, that, that give me hope. Things like we just had reports this morning that uh, at some hospitals in London, medical staff are actually praying before they start their day shift because it, that feels like the right thing to do. Um, we've seen people on our church live stream as we've live streamed. Many people we weren't expecting to be watching who have watched and commented because they're looking for hope. They're looking for, to make some sense in this crisis. Here's something that you would know, but most people won't know, that if you go into the BBC studio or building at Langham Place, when you walk in the door, do you realize embedded in the floor, you can't escape it, are these words, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there be any excellence, if there be anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That is what BBC was founded on. And so that's what I pray, that either this interview or one similar to it will be carried on BBC, where someone is asking people to turn to God. He loves you so much that he's gone to this extent. And listen, Justin, we are in an unprecedented time. There is no equivalent. They compare it to 1917 flu and other, it's not even close. What we are going through, we're not trained for, we're not prepared for. And this is why God says, I want you to know how much I care. I want your attention. I want you to turn to me. And that's what I'm hoping will happen. And the people won't just do this once or twice but it will become a lifestyle. And when the crisis does subside, we show we mean it by what we do in our lives and honor him openly and publicly, not just secretly when you're in right now behind closed doors. Do it now, but then don't stop it when it's over. Perhaps as we draw this interview to a close, Artie, would you just pray? And, and I'm thinking particularly to pray for God to be working through this. You, I mean, you wrote the book, didn't you? Um, God meant it for good. And, and just praying that, that in all of this crisis and emergency situation, we would see the hand of God move and people's hearts turn towards him. Sure. Well, Heavenly Father, I turn to you now and I thank you for your word. You said in Psalm 138 verse 2 that you magnify your word above your name. Your word matters. It is your integrity put on the line. And I pray that what is happening in the moment 
will cause people to turn to you and show you the reverence, the awe, the respect that you deserve. I ask you to use this broadcast. Thank you that Justin wanted to talk to me. And I pray that you'll let everyone see that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, that you have meant it for good. And I pray that it will not be seen as something that happened in vain, but there will not just be one or two or a dozen or a few hundred, but millions. Lord, I'm asking for millions to turn to you. And we will look back and say, thank God for that which we thought was so terrible. It is all a part of your plan because you meant it for good. Hasten the day that we see this. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to a special edition of The Profile Podcast with me, Justin Briley, bringing you interviews with Christian leaders and speakers and authors still to come, Rob Parsons of Care for the Family and best-selling Christian author, Philip Yancey. Premier Christianity Magazine. Are you fed up with fake news or bored of bad stories? We think it's time for something different. I'm Sam Hales, editor of Premier Christianity magazine. Every month, our team publishes stories of lives transformed, testimonies, miracles, healings, and loads more good news. We're here to encourage you, excite you, and keep you up to date with all that God is doing through His church. That's why we're proud to bring you a magazine that's different. For your free copy, visit premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Welcome back to the second part of today's edition of The Profile with me, Justin Briley. Once again, brought to you in partnership with Premier Christianity magazine for a free sample copy. Go to premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. Well, I've been speaking to Rob Parsons of Care for the Family, along with his wife, Diane. They're in lockdown in their home in Wales. And Care for the Family have for many years been resourcing Christians and the church with how to build strong family relationships based in Christ. Here's my conversation with Rob. Rob, thanks for joining me. And uh, we're we're glad to have you. Um, You, like all of us, are sort of in lockdown mode. So tell us, um, how is coronavirus affecting you, Diane? and indeed the organisation as well. What's day-to-day life looking like at the moment? Well, it's been an unusual couple of, uh, a couple of months, Justin. Um, just before Christmas, uh, Diane came home. She said, I banged the car and I've got to go back for a mammogram. And um, she went back for the mammogram and um, they discovered um, a, a lump. And it's amazing. Pretty soon the, the bang in the car was quite secondary. So... Diane was diagnosed with breast cancer just before Christmas, uh, caught very early, but had an operation in January. And then just last week, finished uh, 15 sessions of, of radiotherapy. Wow. So you can imagine, because she's particularly vulnerable at the moment, we are literally in total lockdown. Even when people drop food off, I'm disinfecting the tins and I don't know what else. And so it's been a really, really unusual time. We were very grateful that she was able to finish a course of radiotherapy. I mean, many people just in the middle of cancer treatments now, are, I think some of them having that suspended and big operations put off. So, so it's, been, it's been quite a time and then to be hit with this as well. And 
Uh, and then, of course, for over 40 years now, we've shared our home with Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie was practically homeless 40 odd years ago, came to stay with us one night, never left. And uh, Ronnie has some learning difficulties. So keeping him in the house is quite something. Right. And he, he wants to go for a walk. He wants to go and get his paper and, and all that kind of stuff. So, but you know, we're getting on well and um, uh, yeah. So, but it's certainly a, a really, really unusual time. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and what about the wider staff and organization care for the family? Yeah, how, how, well, how are things like, going? Like everybody, we found that this changed on an almost daily basis, you know, one minute, um, we, we were just having a few people at home and, and then next week, more and more. And now, uh, in 20,000 square feet of offices, we've just got two people who are more socially distanced than just anybody on the planet. I have more toilets and toilet rolls and hand sanitizer <laughs> than you can imagine. And um, So we're all operating from home. And what I'm finding, Justin, is I'm having a lot of conference calls where you've got kind of four faces in. They are exhausting. Um, much more so than the normal office life. Yes. And, and I thought I'd, I'd have lots of time. I started to learn to play the ukulele again. But I tell <laughs> you, the days seem as busy as ever. So, um, and we're just wondering whether we'll, it'll change forever the way we do some things, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, we had to cancel our live events. Um, I was doing the Wisdom House. Catherine Hill was doing Left On Devices. And in two days, we filmed them. And, and so we've put them out. So we sent links to every, people have been watching them online, um, uh, commenting online. So we have hundreds and hundreds of people watching our events while we've been at home. <laughs> and it makes you think about the future. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? I, I guess in many ways, this, this may be a learning experience for everyone and, and change the way a lot of people do things, especially churches who are obviously having to adapt their practices and get their information out and content out in, in new ways. I guess though for, for everyone that the isolation that both those who are having to go into, you know, really serious lockdown like yourself and Diane and those who are just simply self isolating and, and social distancing a lot more brings its own kinds of challenges, doesn't it? Because we're, we're kind of made to be, you know, community type people. We're, we're meant. Uh, and so, so I, I think that could be a big challenge for a lot of people, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And um, I mean, last night we had this business of applauding the, you know, the NHS staff and, and we just went out onto our porch and there were our neighbours and we're waving across to them. And we think, well, crumbs, we're waving across. We probably could have invited them over a lot more. When we yeah. <laughs> Those kind of challenges. But then there are the more serious ones of, um, of, of dealing with different personalities. Even in this home, three different personalities, all dealing with that isolation in a different way. Um, one of us quite enjoying it. Uh, others like at the tether where we just can't wait to get going. And it, and yeah, I, and I, and I, I think we've got to be two things easy on each other as much as we can. If we need a bit of personal space or if somebody needs that, and if we can have personal space, gosh, we got a phone call the other day from a single parent dad with three kids in a, in a flat and they're, they're just on top of each other and the pressure of that easy as we can on each other realize we're going to have rough times um my son uh, spoke to me night for last they've got three little ones and and he said i said to, to my wife you know four o'clock is my time when i go crazy so you have the kids then and, and then yeah and you're not so good to be honest with you at about 10 o'clock in the morning i'll have them then <laughs> go easy on each other but also go easy on ourselves 
And I think particularly for mums and dads at home, trying to do their kids' homework and look after them and, and trying to be perfect mums and dads, you can't do it. And you know what? If you can't get through all the homework, then you can't. We've got to lay down the guilt and, and just all get through this as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about opportunities for spiritual growth? I guess spending a lot more time together uh, is a challenge, but also an opportunity in some ways to, to maybe lay down some stuff that you wouldn't normally have the time to do so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm a little reluctant to talk about using the time for special routines, although you can do, obviously. But I think the deeper question is this. You know, sometimes life is so busy and when you have a moment of quiet, you come home to yourself and, and sometimes you find there's nobody in. And sometimes what really kept you going was the activity. And so there are two things here. It's a bit like married couples, you know, unless they keep their relationship going as the kids are growing, when the kids leave home, they look at each other and say, well, well, who are you? <laughs> and, and I, I was in my study this morning. I, I'm not much of a prayer, to be honest, but I'm on my knees most mornings, not for long. I, I pray because the smartest man who ever lived prayed. <laughs> uh, and I went in this morning and I, I just felt it was a bit different. I, there was a, a little bit more intimacy. It, it just felt different. And I think when the normal controls and busyness are taken away, we discover possibly something that is very, very precious. Not least, learning to hold on to God in the good times. In the hard times, I mean. You know, Justin, I think many of us as Christians believe that there's a secret deal between us and God. Um, you, I'll follow you when you look after me. I know I'm going to have flu, but no big stuff. No cancers, <laughs> no losing my job. And, but honestly, we have to learn to say with the old prophet, though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no fruit in the vine. And at, that time, at these times, we have to ask ourselves, almost Jesus saying to us, do you love me? Do you love me? And we have to hold on to him. Some of us will escape this. Some of us will go through it. Some of us will learn, lose those we love. Some of us will be going through very difficult times. And, and I don't go along with the idea that, you know, all these things are just sent to try us and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Nevertheless, we can learn deep deep lessons mm. and many of us i think will never be the same again yeah inevitably we're we still don't know exactly where this is going and and just how many people ultimately are going to be affected and and even lose their life but i can imagine there's going to be times of grief ahead for lots of people whether it be directly because of losing loved ones uh, or whether it's because of circumstances changing jobs and everything else all the knock-on effects how how do we deal with that um, especially when we are in a kind of such a different situation where you not, don't necessarily have the people to hand that you might normally reach out to and, and seek comfort from at that time? Oh, you know, I think it's, um, it's, it's so, this, this is such a, such a challenge. But, but there are a couple of things here. I think there are times when the church, and by the church, I don't mean just the local church, but the church, can can really come into its own that we can reach out to people and these days the honest truth is that although many of us live more isolated lives than ever 
it is generally easier to communicate than ever. Um, and, 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 and you know, sometimes when, when somebody loses somebody and we see them on the other side of the road and we wonder, should I cross the street? Uh, what should I say? What if I get it wrong? And the temptation is to put our head down and think, oh, I'll only make it worse. Always cross the street. Always say something. I, I was quite moved by something uh, um, that um, a, a friend said. He said he, he, he lost his wife and, and he, got, he got a few cards that said, um, words can't express. Uh, but he said, try. <laughs> just, just try. Yeah. A- anything. And, and I think those who are going through grief have got to, therefore, sometimes be a little easy on people who do fumble and get it wrong. But it's always worth mm. doing that. Mm. And, and, and it's always worth reaching out too. Sometimes that we isolate ourselves in our pain, but, but saying, I, I, I need some help here and I'm not handling with this very well. And, and, and I'm not even feeling I'm handling this very well. Even as a follower of Jesus, I ought to be tougher or stronger. I have more faith, but, but God knows. Mm. He knows our frailty. Uh, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. He's, he's been there with us. And one day he will wipe away every tear because he knows how important that is to us to have those tears wiped away. Mm. And, and, and I think the Christian community can, can be really something at these times. Brilliant. Rob, what, what are you praying at the moment? And, and what can other people be praying into in this coronavirus? I, somebody sent me a prayer the other day. Uh, it was very moving. A Canadian mum wrote it. And, and there were two lines in it that really struck me. She said, as we are worried about our margins of income being affected, help us to remember those who have no margins. As we're worried about being locked in our homes, help us to remember those who have no homes. I, I said to Diane some time ago, you know, darling, I, I sometimes think I'm a bit selfish. And, and I honestly thought just then, she'd say, darling, you're one of the least selfish people. <laughs> what she actually said was, Rob, you know what? We're all a bit selfish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think even in our prayers, we are very inclined to be selfish. Our family, our situation, our organization. But I can't help that. I prayed this morning just briefly for somebody who might be about to take their life. They, they just couldn't face tomorrow. Lord, just, would you come near to them? Uh, I have to make myself do that, to, to mm. reach out to others. I, I'm trying to think of others. But above all, I think, Justin, to be honest, I'm praying, Lord, reach out your hand. Get us through this today, if possible, as fast as possible. You, you can stop plagues. I pray you. I pray you will. I, I can't say I'm not praying that. I yeah. am. Mm, absolutely. I think we all are at some level. Um, I wonder, Rob, if, if as we draw this to a close, would you pray for families specifically for us, especially mums and dads, husbands and wives, sons and daughters, grandparents as well, all those who are finding their relationships obviously in, in a very different time and format and also simply more pressure that's, that's on everyone, uh, especially those who are obviously living with the coronavirus now and, and for whose, whose life may be under threat. But a prayer for, for families would be amazing if you would. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, if we know you, even though we feel frail sometimes and sometimes poor followers of Jesus, 
for us ultimately there is no social isolation not ultimately because you are with us you are with us you are with us remember that jesus said i will never leave you nor forsake you i will never leave you orphans and i pray right now for all kinds of people husbands wives single people for single parent mums and dads for grandparents for the young and old for the healthy and the sick those who handle it well and those who are terrified in their hearts that increasingly we may know that sense of your presence joshua said in uh, i think it's chapter 3 to the israelites we've not been this way before and father we haven't been this way before we pray you will be with us grant us wisdom grant us grace to each other grant us sometimes even in this hard time moments of laughter but above all may we know that incredible presence in the name of jesus amen well my final conversation today is with philip yancy he's a best selling christian author he's based out in colorado in the usa where i'm speaking to him from and his books have been read by millions of people books on prayer on discipleship on suffering and all kinds of other areas and uh, he's been telling me about what it means for him for the church in the usa and also where we might see god's purposes in all of this I'm joined now by Philip Yancey, Christian author and speaker, and it's great to be talking to you again using uh, all of this technology that enables us these days to link up across the ocean, Philip. Uh, what does lockdown look like for you just at the moment in, in your part of Colorado? Well, Colorado is a great place to experience lockdown because uh, there are a lot of open spaces. We take walks. It's about the only place you can get exercise these days, and we've got very pure air. So it's easy to keep social distance when there are so few people in such a big state. And for an introverted writer, my life is about the same, you know. I I sit in my office and click on a keyboard all day. Uh I I have a clearer calendar now than I've had in a long time. Every event, every trip has been canceled through October. And so I have to figure out I I need to start writing. I need to find something, some new project to dive into because I have a unexpected big honk of time yeah well well you're you're experiencing that both as a, i suppose a, a challenge and a blessing in, in many ways but yes. um have, have you been asked to write anything either long or short form on this present coronavirus crisis well i've i've done uh, some blogs just on my own uh, facebook and website but i've been doing interviews like this uh, had one last night with the washington national cathedral this huge church kind of the almost the state church of uh of the United States and I was supposed to go there and speak and instead uh that got canceled the day before I went so uh we're we're doing the best we can churches all over are are using technology to try to fill in with what they can't do on a regular basis absolutely and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the church response in a moment but what what do you make uh, at this point of of how the USA has dealt with this crisis both at a a local level in terms of the way states and individual regions are, are handling it but also i suppose at a national level with the the white house leadership and so on it depends on what network you're watching if you watch <laughs> cnn you get one view if you watch fox news you get an entirely different view 
Uh, I don't know if you get Pox over in, in Britain. but Well, we certainly see the news feeds and, and the very different yeah, versions of events that come through those. Right, right. And it, you know, I, I have a lot of sympathy for the, the leaders, both the scientists and the politicians, because it's a tricky balance. Um, you, you want to have a, a spirit of hope and a spirit of optimism. And at the same time, there's that realism that we really are in, a, in the midst of a crisis. We need to avoid any social contact as much as possible. That's the only way to control it. And um, President Trump himself uh, has shifted course just in the last few days where he was the cheerleader saying, oh, we'll get over this thing. And, and now he's, he's, I think, started listening to the scientists and realized that despite the enormous disruption in the entire country and the entire world, it's something that we need to just bite hard and take the medicine and get through it. Yeah, I, I suppose the problem so often in, in the highly politicized environment in the USA is that these issues become just as politicized and, and used as a, a weapon from one side against the other. Are you seeing a lot of that going on? Is it are people starting to try and work together more than they were before now? I, I would say yes. I've seen a, a lot of, well, the good stories, you know, the stories of the Italians and the Spanish standing on their balconies. Uh, here in Denver, Colorado, where I live, every night at eight o'clock in the, in the downtown area, people come out on their balconies and, and howl. <laughs> they, that's what they're doing. They're howling in support of the, of the nurses and, and health service workers. Right. And it's, you know, there is that, that feeling that we, we've got to pull together. This is a, a common enemy that we all face. There's nobody to blame. And we have to somehow pull together and get through it. A little bit like maybe uh, London experienced during the Blitz. Yeah, I think that's the closest equivalent that we can think of at this point to the way to the kind of community spirit that often comes out of these sorts of things, despite difficult circumstances. And in, in my experience, these sorts of crises bring out both the, the best and worst in humanity. And I, I'm sure you've seen at your end the, the stockpiling and the panic and the so on. But equally, you know, many acts of kindness and generosity that, that it you know, right. produces in people. Right. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember reading a survey of elderly Britons, uh, Londoners, and 60% of them th- uh, said that their favorite time in life was during the Blitz. Yeah. For a while there, there were 3,000 people a day being either killed or wounded, like a 9-11 attack every day going on. Mm. And yet, as they look back, what they remembered was, huddling together and in the tube, being visited by royalty, uh, singing the patriotic songs, you know, we're, we're, we're going to survive one way or another. And I, I do sense some of that spirit in um, the United States and different places around the world. That's good to hear. Um, uh, and what sort of response do you see happening from Christians and churches in the USA? There are always the, the prophets who immediately want to cast blame. You know, that was true back when you had the plague in Britain. There would be these prophets going up and down saying, this is God's judgment, God's judgment. And what they really needed was some rat poison. <laughs> they didn't understand that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I, I just find it so dismaying when Christian leaders start blaming China or Korea or some crazy conspiracy theory, you know. And fortunately, that doesn't... It, it gets a little press in the media because they like to make religion look bad, but it doesn't reflect at all 
the mainstream response of churches. I think uh, churches are just scrambling to do what they can to keep the connection going, you know, not, not let it just disintegrate because uh, you've got empty buildings. You, it's, it's against the rules now to gather together. So fortunately with technology, we have ways of reaching people. And um, there, again, there are so many stories of, of churches who are trying to organize and reach out with food banks and support for the elderly, you know, showing up outside of an elderly home with a choir to sing, you know, those kind of things. Uh, six feet apart, of course. <laughs> but um, it's, I think in, in general, the church is trying to, the best they can, be that word of comfort and hope, which is what we're called to do. Yeah, I can imagine it's especially a challenge, though, for those churches where the gathering is such an integral part. And, and I think this is challenging all churches to, to think outside the box in that sense of, of how they do church. Uh, and I can imagine that's almost a, a bigger challenge for some of those mega church sort of models where it is all, all around that huge Sunday gathering. And obviously for the foreseeable future, that's not going to be happening for, for most of those places. Right. But on the other hand, for instance, just last night, I did this program with the National Cathedral, this huge church. And it was it was a living room setting. I was sitting in this very chair in my office. The dean was not collared. He was sitting with an open neck shirt in his office at home. And we were talking directly as if we had a small group in front of us. And in, in some ways that replicates more of how the early church uh, existed just they, they started as house churches there weren't the buildings in fact they were kind of huddled down with this enemy <laughs> the roman empire against them it, it it recreates some of that spirit and the mega churches also have the ability to do these beautiful programs uh, one that i've been watching regularly here in denver they they have uh, videos with drones, and I mean, they, it's it's quite a show to yeah, watch yeah. their worship service in the morning. Uh, I go to a little church with about 60 people, maybe closer to <laughs> what most of you experience in the UK, and we miss that personal contact, of course. Sure. main reason we go is not for entertainment. It's not for qu- the quality of the experience. It was It's for the community, mm. the people we care about, and you miss that. There are ways like we're doing now to connect electronically, but it, I hope people don't get used to the sitting around in their bathroom, <laughs> drinking coffee and experiencing that as church, you know, it's, yeah, it's not it's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. It, it's, it's a kind of, it's a necessary thing at the moment, but we don't want it to become the norm though. I, I guess, I guess the question is in what ways will this whole experience, I mean, it'll change the world in some ways. I, I've no doubt for, for in the short term, but but how do you think it might change the church and the, the way we approach, I suppose, are there any good things that, that might ultimately come out from this in, in the way that the church reaches people? Well, there are good things. And I'm glad you brought up that, uh, that question because I believe that's the main thing that the Bible says about pain and suffering. It, it doesn't, it, it really doesn't give answers to, why it happens. I mean, even God, when he was speaking to Job, ignored that question. And Jesus, when he came across people who were going through hard times, the Pharisees and his own disciples always wanted to blame somebody. You know, tell, tell us the, the theory behind this. Why is it happening? Why was that man born blind? Why did the tower fall on these people? 
Jesus ignored that question and always turned it to the bystanders. Uh, would you be ready if a tower fell on you? Mm. And the, for me, it's, it's turning the, from looking backwards, why did this bad thing happen? What is the cause of it? To what is our response? Now what? What, what can we learn from it? And in my own experience, I've, I've written about this. I had a, um, an experience about 10 years ago where I was in, involved in an accident. My car went off an icy road, went down a cliff, turned over and over five times. I ended up with a broken neck. And as it turned out, I had about seven hours strapped to a backboard, couldn't move, strapped yeah. down. And actually, I, I dug it out the other day, and, and then I had to wear this neck brace for Go. 12 weeks, you know. <laughs> and, and when I was lying there, I thought, uh, this could be the end of my life. The doctor said, we've got a jet standing by to fly you to Denver, but frankly, if indeed one of your arteries has been nicked by a bone fragment, you're not going to make it to, Den to Denver. You, you may only have a few minutes or at most an hour to live. And you know, that's a wake up call. You start thinking. And I, I did start thinking and I thought uh, of all the things that I could spend my last hour in life reflecting on, I could only come up with three. Who do I love? Who, who, am, who would I call on that cell phone? Who will I call? Who do I love? What have I done with my life? Am I pleased as I look back? Have I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish? And am I ready for whatever is next? And that could be death. Am I ready for death? Or the rest of my life? How should it be different? And I hope that we use a time like this as a reflective time. We've got more time, most of us, because there are a lot of things we can't do. I hope we unplug. Don't sit around just listening to the scary news and watching the charts of deaths and infections going up, but truly use it as a time of, of reflecting. That is, I think, the, the pattern that the New Testament gives us. You know, we, people can put up with a lot of pain and suffering if they feel there's something productive coming out the other end. How many times have you, have you known a woman who goes into the hospital and has a baby and she says, I will never go through that again. <laughs> but then they're back in a few years with another baby. Why do they do that? Well, a lot of times when you go to the hospital, you leave something behind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in this case, in the maternity ward, you take something home with you. Yeah. Mm. And, and you'll endure it for the good that can come. And that uh, is the pattern I see in all the passages in the New Testament. They're, they're about what suffering can produce. Patience, perseverance, hope, character, those kinds of things spelled out in books like Romans and First Peter. And, and so I think that that is a message that the church can give. It's not, suffering is not wasted time. In fact, it's, it's, it's a way to get our attention. I remember, I, as you may know, I wrote a few books with Dr. Paul Brand, a British surgeon who worked in India with leprosy patients. And he would say, that a healthy body is not a body that feels no pain. In fact, he said, my, you know, that's, that's a problem with my leprosy patients. They don't feel pain, so they damage themselves. Mm. A healthy body is a body that attends to the pain of the weakest part. And that's what we should be doing right now. We, who are followers of Jesus, we believe we're the body of Christ. We are the physical representation of God in this world. That's a scary mission, but that's what we're called more than two dozen times in the New Testament, Christ's body. And for that body to be healthy, we need to be attending to the pain of the weakest part. 
It's been great to talk through some of these issues with you. Uh, thank you so much, Philip. Um, again, prayer has been a frequent subject that you've written on. How, how are you praying yourself at this point in time? I pray every day for the people who are making these very difficult decisions and who are out on the front lines. In the United States, uh, every day there's been a press conference led by some of the top doctors who are trying to bring realistic approach and and tell the truth to the to the nation we happen to have a devout christian as head of our national institutes of health his name is dr francis collins he headed up the human genome project mm. he wrote a book about his turn from atheism to face to faith called uh, the language of god and i pray i pray for dr collins the enormous challenges he faces just trying to get ventilators and protective equipment to the right places and the hot spots breaking out in this city in that state and and to keep his employees motivated these uh, there there are thrilling stories in new york is is our real hot spot and just the other day 12,000 retired nurses volunteered to join because they they were so needed they know the risks. They know that they're exposing themselves to infection, but 12,000 of them. I mean, mm -hmm. these are our heroes. These are our heroines. And uh, I pray for them. And of course, pray for the churches. I pray for so many organizations' missions because fundraising is taking a huge hit as the economy does. And in a crisis like this, you know, nobody's thinking about uh, digging wells in Africa or, you know, these are freeing mm -hmm. sexual trafficking in India or something mm -hmm. like that. They're thinking about the coronavirus, COVID-19. That's, yeah. that's all that's on the news. And we, we must not forget the good work that the body of Christ is doing around the world. And they need our support probably now more than ever. Yeah. Perhaps as we close, would you pray yourself, Philip, and uh, for both for those international issues, but also for those things closer to home where people are feeling anxious or afraid in this present crisis? I will. I will. Gracious God, we, we tend to experience these crises in terms of charts and statistics, but actually suffering doesn't come like that. It comes in person, affecting a family losing a spouse, having a, a child or an elderly parent in a hospital that you can't even go to visit. And I pray for those who are going through hard times. I pray that they won't try to do it alone. We are one body, and I pray that we would be honest about our vulnerability and our needs and our loneliness and our isolation and reach out the best we can with the technology we have available and look to the churches for support. Look to our small groups, if we have them, our pastor, staff like that. And I pray for those who are on the front lines, who are showing us true courage, and for those who have to make the very difficult decisions. I pray, God, that a year from now, as we look back, although there will be grief and sadness and and tragedy that we would see that the, the we faced an invisible enemy as an entire global community and it brought us together in a different way some of the divisions that were so important weren't so important anymore 
And I pray that the church would emerge as a beacon of comfort and hope. You put us here on earth to do that, to bring words of comfort and hope. The gospel is good news. And I pray that we would convey that good news at a crisis time. Thank you that we have the confidence that you are in control. And you, you said in times of crisis to be still and know that you are God. May we do that too. And rest with calmness and assurance that you are in control. And there will be another day. May the church emerge even stronger to face that day in your name. Amen. I do hope you've enjoyed our lockdown special from The Profile podcast today. Don't forget that you can find more episodes of The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, you can also find it over at our website, premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. And a number of the interviews you've heard today are also available on video via our social media. Look out for the Facebook page of Premier Christian Radio to see some of those. And don't forget, you can get a free sample copy of the magazine. Today's program brought to you in partnership with Premier Christianity. That's at premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample and uh, lockdown or not we'll be continuing to bring you the profile podcast so do make sure to tune in every week for more interviews with leading christians from all walks of life for now thanks for being with us see you next time